save some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know what I found to be true, which is not a real big secret, but it's true anyway, that many people, men, women, can fill multiple offices in that Ephesians chapter 4 description of ministry. So no matter whether it's an evangelistic meeting we had like Wednesday night and Sunday or teaching like we're going to get tonight, I want it just from the hand of God, from the throne of God. I love teaching. I love teaching. And I love to shout. I love evangelistic meetings. I love it all. But nothing sticks with you like teaching. Like breaking it down line upon line and precept upon precept. I've been praying all afternoon, God give us nuggets that we can sink our spiritual teeth into tonight that we'll remember next month and next year and in, in random times that'll just come back to our memory and help us to walk a stronger life of leadership. If you don't know this, I'm sure you do, but if you don't, I'll inform you for the first time. People in this world are looking for someone to lead them. They're looking to be led into the places of life they're looking for pleasure, but we know where they need to be led to, to the presence of God. Bless you, Brother Herring. Pastor Josh Herring, come tonight, minister the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. All right, I want to just talk a few minutes tonight about um, leadership, and I realize that this is kind of like... Um, Drive test driving somebody's car at a dealership. You already have a, a, a great things going, and this is just kind of someone coming in and throwing some things at you and driving the car for a few minutes. And so, if it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. But you already have great leadership already in a great church culture, and I hope that you realize that that you're blessed. And and so, if I can find something that will help it, awesome. If not, just throw it out the window. Uh, but I do want to talk to you tonight about uh, just some things leaders do and, and three things that le every leader must possess. Three things every leader must possess. Thank you to mom and dad for uh, having me here tonight. This is a, this is, I love this kind of stuff. This is where I get uh, excited about. But uh, leadership, as you all know, is influence. That's what the word leadership means, influence. It's, it's to influence people. You do not have to have a position to be a leader, you just have to be influential. Uh, influential people are always leading someone. Uh, leaders set the culture for any any organization, church, program. Leaders set the culture. And that's why you've probably heard the statement that everything rises and falls on leadership. Uh, leadership is ownership. As one person said, there is no one else to blame. Uh, I heard this quote, bad leaders say, that person is the problem. Good leaders say we have a problem. Great leaders say I am the problem. The reason is, is because if you are really a great leader, you will look at the situation that's problematic and realize what you did way before putting the person into the position and take ownership there. And then that helps you as you deal with the problem. You can go to them and say, we have a problem. Once you've dealt with yourself in the mirror and said, I'm the problem. I put them there. I entrusted them. I thought they could handle this. They couldn't. And so instead of coming at them, uh, we have to learn to be great leaders and say, I am at fault. Uh, a man in my church taught me this. He taught me this by making a mistake 
and by overstepping his bounds and going into uh, other areas of ministry throughout the church and uh, running people off and crazy stuff he was doing. And I was ready to just ream him and just take him out behind the old woodshed. And uh, he kept doing things. And it wasn't one or two things. It was several things. And finally, I, I, every time I'd go to talk to him, I would just get a little check. Wait, wait, wait. And then finally, the Lord spoke to me and said, you put him there. You were not clear enough. You were not directive enough. You, you, you expected this. You did not know this about him. You are the problem. And so I went back and began to work on me. And then when I went to him, I said, hey, we have a problem. But I was much more gentle with him than I would have been had I not looked in the mirror. So looking in the mirror helps us with dealing with other people. I saw this quote the other day. No man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or to get all the credit for doing it. If you have to have the glory, you are not a great leader. Because you're not interested in leading. You're interested in a, in a throne or a platform. A great leader takes a little more than his share of the blame and a little less of his share than the, of the credit. That's what a great leader is. Great leaders lead themselves first. To be a leader of others, we have to learn to lead ourselves. I love this quote. First, be a leader of yourself. Only then can you grow to lead others. Eleanor Roosevelt one time said, to handle yourself, use your head. To handle others, use your heart. You know? um, I believe that there is a, there's a process when you enter leadership of, of going from opinion to dominion. And that, pro- that process is when you start any type of leadership, you have opinions on things, uh, just like I do as a church planter. But to have dominion, there's a process you have to go through from just your opinions to where you actually have authority and you know what you're doing. And that, uh, that road is paved with commitment and consecration. You cannot just have a great dominion because you see what's wrong. You have to have uh, understanding that these opinions turn into dominion through consecration. A lot of people have got great ideas on things but no experience in life on what they're talking about. Just like preaching, when someone gets up and starts telling you, you need to do this and you need to do that, and you can feel the hollowness in their words, it's because there's no weight behind what they're saying. They've got no experience. And, they're, and what they're saying might sound right, but you can just tell they've never lived what they're saying. And when someone's never lived what they're teaching, you can't really get the great impact. But when someone's lived what they're teaching or are living what they're teaching, you can feel weight behind their words. And so therefore, you understand that we want to be leading others with dominion, not just opinion. So we have to lead ourselves through commitment and consecration and and seeking God. And so I want to just go into some things tonight about three three things every leader must possess. I know you're gonna, you're already gonna have all these three down, and and I'm 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 preaching to the choir. So, but if these are just three little things that the Lord gave to me for our leadership team a couple weeks ago that I thought they needed and and I needed, and and hopefully maybe you need one of the three. And if you don't, you are amazing. Number one, every leader must possess loyalty. The word loyalty means a strong feeling of support or allegiance. Now, let me just say this very clearly. Loyalty must be to God and to the church. It must be to God and to this church, Palmer Pentecostal Church. Leaders must become loyal first or they are at best temporary. 
all unloyal leaders end up leaving. Period. No matter what talents or gifts you possess, if you are unloyal, your job is a temporary position. You, your days are numbered, Belshazzar, because it, it's something about loyalty. I, I, I'll say this, loyalty to me trumps any gift. Because I can train someone that's loyal that doesn't have the gift, but because I know they're going to stay in the process, they'll learn it and they'll be willing to grow in it. No matter what amazing gifts you have, if you don't have loyalty, you'll leave for the next best offer. So I cannot really pour into that because something else is going to get your attention. So loyalty has got to be the most essential thing every leader has. And the reason why it needs to be to God first and to the church next is because anything less than that is loyalty to humans, which will always result in a letdown. I've learned this in just this little vacation this week, that some people in our church in Frisco are loyal to the pastor, but not the church, because they have skipped church, all these leaders. I mean, I get, I get people that are not leaders, but I've had leaders you know, the word gets back to me skipping and saying, I'm not coming back until pastor's back. That's loyalty to the pastor. I heard this at a conference one time. There was different dimensions that people live in when you're in a church, and one of them was pastoral love, and that is they are loyal to the pastor, but not to anybody else in the church. And so they get an attitude. They're not submitted to anybody across the aisle. And if pastor's out of town, they're out of town. They're not going to be there because they're only loyal to the pastor. That is not loyalty. Loyalty is I'm committed to what God has called me to. This assembly, this is where I am. I'm called. If he's here or not here, I'm here. That's loyalty. That is loyalty. <laughs> Someone told me the day that, that uh, we have a little, we're in a little theater, and I've, I sit on the front row in that little spot right there on the left side uh, since day one, and someone told me that uh, this family, it's that, you know, drama family, they all sat there Sunday when I wasn't there. <laughs> they sit in the back row every service, but, but last week... They, People act crazy when the pastor's away. Loyalty. Be loyal when he's there, when he's not there, okay? Man. Uh, followers find a reason to leave, but leaders find a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Followers find a reason to leave, but leaders find a reason to stay. And I can tell you that any pastor is looking for long-term leaders not short-term temporary leaders. <laughs> because if you already come with leaving on your mind, you're not going to do much help, but you might take somebody with you when you leave. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like sports fans, you know. Uh, you love your team. A diehard sports fan loves their team. They might love a player, but they love the team more. And so when that team trades their favorite player, it hurts, but they still follow the team. It's loyalty. To the team, not the player. It's long term. I love this statement. Strong leaders earn loyalty. Weak leaders demand it. If you're demanding loyalty, it's because you're a weak leader. Be loyal to me. And that's, and that's right there the problem. Be loyal to me, not the vision, not the, not the commitment, not the church, not the future, not what God is doing. Be loyal to me. That's insecurity. But we want to learn to be loyal to what God has called us to as an entire body. Amen? Amen. Loyalty is something that 
uh, I think is the most important characteristic of any person that wants to do something in the kingdom of God. It really does take you farther than anything you've ever earned before can take you. Loyalty is a game changer. It's a game changer. The biggest mistake I have made, and I'm sure I've made 10,000 in the first year of pastoring there in Frisco, was not realizing that loyalty was the greatest thing people possess because I looked at gifts, talents, abilities, and people have left that had all those things because they were not loyal. But now I'm learning who the loyal ones are, and it's an opportunity to train them and develop them, and they're there come hell or high water. They're there. That's what we, that's what you want. Amen. Number two. So every, first of all, number one, every leader must possess loyalty. Number two, every leader must practice punctuality. No amens on that one. Okay, I'll just stop and park on this then, okay. Punctuality is the most effective approach to establishing a positive first impression. Here's a great statement. that this, this changed my life years ago. Leaders are early. On time is late. Followers are on time. If church starts at 2 and you are a leader, it should not be in your mind. I'm supposed to be there at 2. That's what the follow. That's the schedule for the people coming. <laughs> If we do not take other people's time seriously, they will not take our church seriously. That's very true. I'm just being honest. I love this statement. My wife told me, I am not interested in being the hot mess express. That is exactly what people think when they walk into chaos, craziness. How can you expect things to run smoothly if you're getting there right on time? You haven't done anything to prepare. You're just getting there as the moment starts. That is not punctuality. That is not leadership. You would be fired from your job if you kept doing that. But most people respect their boss's time more than they do God's time because they love money more than mercy. And therefore, it doesn't matter. This is just church. I volunteer here. problem we've got to learn punctuality punctuality means we're early period i told our church this other day i said this is a bad look when when guests are wondering where the greeters are i've trained the greeters on every little thing but if the greeters are not there when it's time to be there where this is just for my church i'm not saying anything here <laughs> delete <laughs> That it's it's just a, it's a bad look. We had a deal a couple weeks ago. Is this being recorded or not? Uh, are we alive on Facebook or not? Okay, good. That's fine. All right. Um, our leaders, our greeters. We have a whole department. Supposed to be a certain time out there greeting with the signs that weren't there. And so I pulled in and I'm like, okay. So I go in and get the signs. I'm looking around. Where's all the heads of the departments? They're not even there. I said, oh, this is good. And so I walked up to a lady. In the church, who's not even in that department. And I said, would you like to be a greeter tonight? She said, I sure would, pastor. And so she went out there and got the sign, and she started greeting. And then after church, we get an, our, our administrative assistant gets an email. with We had like, uh, I think we had 10 first-time guests that service. And every single guest, she had a paragraph about their life in the email. She had gone, she had met, she knew what church they had gone to, where they lived, who their kids were. She knew their backgrounds. And I'm going, where have you been? And so I 
formed a whole new department and gave her the whole department called Hearts for the Harvest, which is the follow-up team. And now every service before Sunday's over, she's got people in line calling them before, before the Monday, and she's calling them Wednesday. And now we've had all kind of guests the last couple of weeks. Why? We had 11 first-time guests Sunday morning. She had all the reports in by Sunday night about all these people, and they're all coming back next week. That is leadership. No position, no title, but took it seriously. That is leadership. <laughs> Amen. Uh, one thing my pastor, Brother Kinsey, taught me that changed my life. We have these Zoom calls, and I'd have these, every, uh, my mentoring group, and we'd have a Zoom call once a month and with different speakers, and he would have a, say, 8 o'clock central time. And I would always show up about five minutes till uh, before the call because you're just sitting there on a blank screen. Uh, if if they let if the host lets you in, and so the host would let us in, and so the last couple of times he spoke, which is once a year or so, it would be he'd be there before I got there. His name would be on the screen. I was like, why, why is he so early? Fifteen minutes early, ten minutes early. I mean, he's a speaker on the call, and I just learned that he was taking my call more seriously than I was. He was speaking. He's the guest. He's supposed to show up at 7.58, but he was taking it more seriously than I was. He was punctual, and it convicted me. Never should someone coming in from the outside as a guest take the, take the call or the service more seriously than the person or the team leading the call or the service. This is only a portion of their world. We've got one shot to get them. One, they're, they're, they're coming to one and done, and they're, they're making up their mind the first five minutes that they're coming back, by the way. It's not the preaching. It's not the music. It's how much they feel love between that door and that chair if they're coming back, period. Period. I can tell you mm, that is the biggest thing, and I can preach terrible, and, but, that, but if they feel love, they'll come back, and if I can preach good and if they don't feel love they won't come back so we had to be on our game so punctuality does that people in the right place which you guys were awesome Sunday I mean you could just feel the love driving up the hill you could see everyone outside greeting people that was first class large church big church mentality right there that was awesome and I know dad said someone flipped him off driving down the road that's part of the deal but hey, people were coming, guests were coming, and you could feel that in the car driving up. That's, that's a big thing. And so you weren't even waiting for them to get out of their car to love them. You're, wait, you're getting them in the car driving down the road. That's, that's excellent. Okay, here's number three. Every leader prepares to be organized. Mm. Getting organized is a sign of self-respect. Calvin Coolidge said this, the president. The only difference between a mob and a trained army is organization. Mm, that's good. Okay. Organization begins with awareness of what does not work for us as a team, you guys as a team. Organization begins with removing things that are in the way. That's it's decluttering, organizing, keeping your desk clean. Deciding what not to do is as important as deciding what to do. I told our leaders this, if you are scatterbrained as a leader, find someone on your team that is organized and make them an assistant as soon as possible because you want your group to be organized. You don't want your group to be the weak link of the church. Well, this, you know, this, everything else is on time and then this, this meeting will start 14 minutes late. That is because of weakness in organization. 
So you want to have organization as a leader. One thing that will help you with this, this is something that uh, I saw and, and took it personally, this test, and then I had, uh, had our team do it. It's really cool. It's take, there's a, there's a three-list test you should make. I want you to write three lists the next few days in your own, in your own world, your own life. This is not for anybody's uh, viewing but your own. But number one, write a list of who do, the first list, who do you want to be? Who do I want to be in the future? I want you to write down everything that you want to be in the future. Get, get as detailed as possible. I mean, you can go into whatever. Whatever you want to do. Write the list of what do you want to be five years from now, ten years from now. You set the time. Look. Okay, who do you want to be in the future? That's the first list. Number two, the second list, who are you right now? It's going to be quite different than what you want to be, by the way. <laughs> and if it is the same, you have no drive. <laughs> want to be me. Okay, move. You're in the way. And the third list is the most important list. What changes must be made for you to go from who you are to what you want to become? This is the beginning of organization. I told our church, I want to be a church that's like Jesus that does all things well. Jesus did all things well. We'll never be perfect, never have it all together, but can we do all things well? And so I told them, who are we right now? Not to, st- not, I mean, we can praise ourselves and say we're amazing, but what does the guest think? What does the visiting minister think? What, what, what are some things that I tell, I tell our district superintendent, he's coming to preach, I said, show me the holes in the wall. What do you see? Tell me. Tell me. Show me where, what I need to work on. I tell, if it's, if it's someone I respect that I believe won't try to, you know, be me, I, I say, show me, where, show me what we need to change because I want to grow. And it's just pride and ego that says, don't tell me anything. I want to be, I know what I'm doing. That's not leadership. Leadership, I can learn something. from. Leaders are always learning. If you are not learning, you are not leading. Leading is learning consistently. That's why I'm just going to say it. You should always be reading reading. You've heard the statement, leaders are readers. You can train your body, but if you're not training your mind, you're going to deal with depression all the time, anxiety, fear, stress. You, and the, I am way calmer when I read all the time. Reading, reading the Bible, reading books. And then, let me just say this, reading is not, this is going to get me in trouble. That's not the iPhone scrolling down social media. That's not reading. I got one clap on that, but it's truth. Read these, these, this. It's 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 crazy. It's, it's the word is books. It's it's something that's just, it's a novel idea. It'll change your life. Well, I'm just doing uh, okay. If you want to grow, read. Don't think you know everything. That's just it's humility. Learn. So I looked at our church and I said, here's some. I, I know what I what I want us to be. I know where I see us in a few years. But Lord, show me where we are now. And it was unorganized, scattered, disconnected, chaos, passionate, dreaming, hoping. That is not what I wanted to be. That's not what I see us as. But that is reality sometimes. And so I had to look in the mirror and say, that's the list that's going on currently. And then my poor wife gets, gets to hear that list. She's like, we're doing amazing. I'm like, no, actually, we're terrible. We have all these things that are wrong. And she's doing great. <laughs> but I, 
You know, it's like this. A true leader is, is thankful for what's going on. Celebrate the small wins. But always dream of, of a bigger tomorrow. Dream of a great. I mean, you're, you are dreaming of a greater tomorrow. Part of that is celebrating what you got now. You know, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And so I've, and that's one thing I've learned lately is celebrate the stuff that you would not normally celebrate because it will make you thankful for how far you've come. Some things you won't celebrate till you get thankful. So, okay, so here's, I'll hurry up. Uh, what I did was I just went through our church schedule. I went through a, a typical Sunday from beginning to the end, from the very, see, we don't have, this, this is awesome, and most churches have this kind of stuff. We, we set up every service. So we have like a storage room that's like a, you know, it's a, I don't know how long it is, but it's full. <laughs> and so every Wednesday afternoon, every Saturday night, late or early Sunday morning, if we have access to the theater Saturday night, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We, we go in, and me and Janae, and we set up the, the whole platform, the drums, the piano, mics, all that stuff, speakers, pulpit. And so that's, that's a lot of stuff. So, uh, but normally, if, if I don't do it late Saturday night, we have a setup team at a certain time in the morning, Sunday morning. And so from that moment, I went through a whole schedule of our day, and I went through every little detail, and I was, I was looking at, I was trying to find the weak link, and I was saying, okay, we are, when I walk in, because we have a 10 o'clock Sunday school, because uh, we have one big open room. There's no classrooms and stuff. So we have a 10 o'clock Sunday school, and we have 11 o'clock main service to kind of keep stuff for the kids. So I was noticing the last few weeks that, that it was, you know, I was walking in, but it, the Sunday school wasn't starting on time. And, and then, therefore, it bled into pre-service prayer being late because the Sunday school was being late. Therefore, that led to service starting a couple minutes late, and then people were, and I was like, this is not what I want people to see. Now, I know it's not all about the, the punctuality, but as a leader, you're thinking, they're walking in. They, we, need to, we need to have things going on and look like, I mean, we can't control the room we're in, but we should be able to at least have our act together. And so I was looking at it. I said, where, where, where? we set up at 7.30, okay, or 8 o'clock. We, we have uh, music starts at a certain time. And music practice, and then Sunday school, and I, it, it, it hit me. This is going to be really quiet. <laughs> the music practice was late every service. And therefore, they were making the Sunday school late. And, they were, and then I said, okay. And so then I went down back to the setup team. Was the setup team done on time? Done on time? Partially, Pastor. We're done on time, but, but we don't check the mics until the music practice starts. And when the, that delays the music practice, and then the music, I said, okay. So I, I pushed the setback, setup time back 30 minutes, gave them time to check all the mics, told the musicians, please be on time. When it come, I get it one time being late, but when you're late, every stinking time to music practice, you're not taking it seriously. Somebody wants your job sooner or later that will take it seriously. Just being honest. That's not just the music department. That's any department. You know, if, if, if you're late for everything, you are not taking it seriously. Somebody will be thankful for that position and do, take it seriously. So, uh, so they were late, and then Sunday school was late, and then I said, okay, we, this is the problem. I, I'm feeling it in our pre-service prayer. I'm feeling this chaos. We're trying, to get, we're trying to hustle to get church started because we are late at everything privately. Publicly, we're starting on time. 11 o'clock, we're going. 
but privately we're late. So we have to reorganize and, re- and, and look in the mirror and say, you know, is this serious to me? Am I, am I really want to be on this team, this setup team? Do I really want to be on the music team? Because you need to be on time, be organized, because it affects the whole day. It was affecting the entire, and I was like, man, I'm struggling to get people, you know, energized. And I realized it's because they weren't praying pre-service. And they weren't praying because their teaching was going too long. Teaching went long because the music went too long. Music went too long because the setup went. It was all the way back to the roots. And it's like, well, no, no one sees that but you, Pastor. But Pastor has the heartbeat of the church. And Pastor knows the potential of every service. And if it's not, if it's not clicking, something's missing on the, on the train behind the scenes. So we went back through the process reorganized everything. Y'all got it all going on good. We reorganized every little detail because there was just that missing link. And so I told our church, I want this team to be on this time. This means this, and this, this, 930 does not mean 935. Yeah, right. Right. 930 doesn't mean 930. Why say 930? Because if I say 929, you'll start at 932 every time. Oh, my goodness. So, find the flow. And so, I, 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 remo- I went from four songs to three songs. And that's just our church because we were, I found us drifting and we weren't engaging. And this is something that I really felt changed. I noticed uh, that when I'd have people take up the offering, it was like, uh, we, we, did a three, we did a three deal, a three, um, I'm forgetting my words here. We had three items at the offering. Number one was prayer. Number two was announcements. Number three was offering. So I, we were taking prayer seriously. Let's all pray and pray for boom. And they were doing the announcement seriously. And then the offering stunk. Pastor, I literally asked them Wednesday night, what happened? $44 came in the offering Wednesday night. That's great. I said, okay, we're not doing this correctly. People are not giving because we're not taking giving seriously. And it was like, can I get mad at them? Or is it my problem? I'm just putting whoever up there in the pulpit to take up the offering, give them a chance to be in the mic. That's not right. I said, no, I want someone that takes it seriously. Brother Tostin takes it seriously. I appreciate, I, I would like take him and put him in our church and say, teach my young preachers how to take this seriously. Thank you. I tell our guys now, have a two-minute offering sermon prepared. There's a book Brother Gleason wrote on generosity. There's a 104-paragraph Many offering sermon clips, hilarious, funny, serious, make you cry. I said, read that book. Start using some of the stories. Be creative every time. Engage the people. This is not a blank spot in the service. There's no, there's no dead space. That's the worst feeling as a pastor. Dead space visitors want to leave. So, so I said, take it seriously, and, and they are. Uh, this, this is, I told our church, uh, our leaders this, with the exception of the pastor and a visiting evangelist, all preaching should be at 30 minutes or less to, the, to our guys. Because I had one guy get up and go an hour and 15 minutes. And I said, oh, that's my fault. And that was on me. I was so mad at him. And it was all me. I wasn't clear enough. I could have interrupted him. So I, I could do that. But I felt like, you know what? This is something I need to learn first. I have not been clear on what I expect. I can rebuke him. 
that does no good for him or me. I need to go look in the mirror and say, what did I not make clear enough? Okay, when I talk to him, he'll still love me when the meeting is over because I'm taking this blame. Now, if he does it a second time, it's going to be a long time before there's a second time. the truth. It's the truth because as, as amazing as your preaching is or your teaching is, most people come to hear the pastor or the guest speaker. And I know that's going to that's gonna sting, and I'm sorry for saying that. I, that that's mean. I know. I, I don't mean it that way. I just, I, I'm just pastoring, and I know people. I get texts every weekend, are you preaching? Meaning I'm not coming if you're not preaching. I don't respond to those texts anymore because I'm like, you know, you're not committed and you've got a whole lot to work on. Uh, but it's not, it's not about, and so, and if you are preaching, you know, take it seriously. Pray, study, fast, you know, have a fervent message, the passionate, you know, all about, obviously be submitted and, and honor your pastor when you're up there. It's, I'm, this is not in my notes, but honor your authority. Humility in the pulpit will go a long way with favor in the congregation to your message. If you show up as a cocky jerk in the pulpit and you're one of the saints, I'm turning you off instantly if I'm listening to you because I already know, like, uh, I'm enduring this. <laughs> so, so if you, and, and so, but if you show up hum- humble, you know, there's some, you're going to grab me. You're going to draw me in. So where I don't have dominion, humility still opens the door for people to listen to what I'm saying. So humility is huge on this. So it doesn't mean 32 minutes. It means 30 minutes. Yes, he did. It's rebellion. I got a story on top of that. Ethiopia crusade. One of the most famous missionaries, he's dead now, was on that team with Billy Cole. And there was 100,000 people in the audience. And he was asked to preach on praise and worship. And Billy Cole gave him uh, 20, 25 minutes. 25 minutes. 20 or 25 minutes. And you can, there's a video of it. I mean, he is preaching amazing. Okay, When I say amazing, like, this is how real it got. He was rolling across the platform preaching. <laughs> People are going crazy. He rolled off into the audience, and he was floating across their hands. It was insane. I've never seen a move of God on video like this. And he goes past 20, 25. And he's preaching, and Billy Cole sits down. And the whole crowd is losing. This is not 100 people. 100,000 people are losing their minds. 30 minutes, Billy Cole folds his arms. 35 minutes, he's angry. 40 minutes, he's yelling, sit down. Sit. The guy can't hear him. He just, ah. And finally, he, 45 minutes, 
he, he looks and he, he stops and he, he is so embarrassed because he knows it was amazing, but Brother Cole is mad. Brother Cole's over it. So he goes to Brother Cole and he kneels down at his feet and he said, please forgive me. And Billy Cole said, you are drunk on your own anointing. You're so consumed with how it sounded that you ignored all of the instruction so you could have that moment the last song. It got worse. He rebuked him seven times. It was almost out of control. The team, uh, Brother Hernandez told me the story. He said it was so embarrassing. He rebuked him at, at the, the platform, at dinner, on the way home to, uh, on the hotel, the next morning for breakfast, at lunch, at, in front of the team. Now, this was, this was, I think, bad, you know. <laughs> After the seventh time, he said, what do you want me to do? You want me to go home? And he said, no, but you'll never make that mistake again. He, he just crushed him. Now, I would never say that's the method, you know. It's kind of ridiculous. But that guy was Steve Willoughby, who became one of the greatest missionaries in the entire world in Singapore and won thousands and thousands of people to the Lord and was one of the most humble men who died of cancer right, after his, and right before his wife died. They both died of cancer. Their kids still live today, and they were in their 50s. And he was one of the most loved preachers on this planet. And you know what? He would talk about that story, how it changed his life. Because he went over his time, but he learned his lesson. Never to, in other words, submission will take you farther than what the moment will take you in your gifting. Okay. All right. So I would just say this, um, that, you know, in our, in our church, and, and like I said, we're, we're only a year, not even a year in as far as since we've launched, but we're trying to think bigger, grow bigger, become better. And, and the number one thing is we all take it personally for it to impact corporately. We have to work on ourselves. It's not, you need to work on this, they need to work on this. They, if they got better, we'd be better. It's always me, 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 I, 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 when it, comes to, when it comes to correction. If I can get better, everything else can get better. If I can raise my perspective, if I can change me, I can handle what's not right about me in the right way, and I can make things better around me. So leadership is simply ownership, taking that uh, initiative, changing ourselves, and therefore influencing others to make changes. And as one pastor said, when you multiply your leaders, you will see a multiplication in your church. But leaders have to learn how to be leaders first. So those are some things I had for you tonight. Um, questions, answers, or hopefully there's answers. <laughs> questions. Uh, a trained army is organization. Calvin Coolidge. Okay. We can't control the Holy Ghost in a service, but we can control ourselves. And so we do everything. I'm not, I'm not saying that the power is removed by the program. The program, and the, we need the power and the program. But God takes it. God is organized. If you don't believe it, recreation. He's extremely organized. And so when he starts, we are organized. It, it, it takes, it, I think he takes us seriously in our attempts to uh, be committed to him. Okay. Questions, comments, concerns, criticisms. Bring it.